One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, it's the ten hat commandments. Uh, uh, uh. Can't tell me nothing about this crypto. Uh huh. This old eighties forensic, strictly for my hackers. Hackers on the grind. I ain't forget all you. my port scanners, all my SQL injectors, my exploit devs. I've been in this game for years It made me an animal There's rules to these bits Man page for the manual A step-by-step booklet For you to get Your back door's patched Not your house ransacked Rule number uno Never let no one know How much code you hold Cause you know The zero day heat will spray Clear the way If the log file touched Get your hard line cut So let's get this thing started I'm gonna go ahead and unmute Everybody Check, check. There we go. Ryan, are you unmuted? Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Welcome to the 36th episode of The Haunted Hacker. And tonight is kind of a, a special night. We have a really uh, popular hip-hop artist with us who had a huge influence on the uh, culture and a bunch of people in general. Um, I don't know a single person that's been in the hacking groups or, or at the conferences that doesn't know dual core. Um, so with that, I'm gonna let David introduce himself and talk a little bit about himself and then we'll launch into some uh, discussions. Go ahead, David. Oh, hey, uh, my name is Int80. I am the rapper in dual core. I hack computers and make rap music about it. I guess that's pretty much it. <laughs> That was succinct as. <laughs> <laughs> Still muted. No audio. Oh, y'all can't hear me. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do I yeah. need here? Let me push up a little bit then. How about that? Cool. That's perfect, man. Perfect. Cool. Sorry, I was worried that uh, that I was like I would be peaking, and uh, yeah. that's always bad when recording. Um, but yeah. yeah. Sorry for if folks didn't hear me on the first go. Uh, my name is Int80. I am the rapper in dual core. I hack computers and make rap music about it. It's pretty awesome. Um, so I'll tell you a little story real quick before we uh, start having discussions. Um, my first uh, DEF CON, I was hanging with the iSight partners. I don't know if you know who they are, um, uh, intelligence group. And we walked into, I think it was a, a party for eye defense maybe. Um, and it was in one of the clubs in the hotel and I walked in on your set and I was like, what the hell is this? This is amazing. And I'd heard about you before, but hadn't really got into the music yet. I was kind of new into the scene. Um, and then it just song after song just like sold me. So where do you get your inspiration from? Because I know a lot of these songs you can tell have like a tone that, you know, it comes deep. Uh, yeah, it's just life in general. Um, the the half of the inspiration or some part of the inspiration is the music itself. And then the rest of it is just kind of whatever thoughts or feelings that the uh, music evokes. And so, um, like I said, I'm half of the group or I'm the rapper in the group. The other half of dual core is our producer C64. Um, and he lives in the UK. And so he'll send me some beats and I'll pick the ones that I like, and I'll just write whatever comes to mind from, uh, from listening to the beats. And, um, you know, the, they have different, sounds and different textures and it, they evoke different thoughts. And so I just kind of go for it from there. But uh, I was hacking computers before I was rapping. And so, um, you know, I feel like uh, somewhat unique in the fact that I can, you know, walk the walk as well as talk the talk, if you, if you will. Yeah. And you can tell that it reflects in your music as well. Um, I, when I start, first started listening to it, I was pretty amazed that, you know, all the technical details was in every rap that, that you guys came out with. Um, so I was like, you know, this, this is, this is it. Uh, so you also defined a culture, an entire culture, um, your music defined who we are and, and what we're like, and kind of spread that message to the rest of the world. Um, and I think that's like super important too. Uh, thanks. I, I so don't, I don't know if I would now? agree with you, honestly, on that one, because I, I feel like, you know, everybody yeah. defines the culture and I just kind of am the observer talking about it. Uh, I'm giving my vantage point, but I think, you know, we all as a community, define the culture by living our lives every day. So I, I can't take the credit. <laughs> I'll just talk about it. I just write words that rhyme. <laughs> yeah. 
Hello? Has he frozen? You there, Mike? Yeah, I think I think Mike might have frozen. All right. I got a good one for you, mate. Yeah, it's just describe, me and you now. For those people who haven't <laughs> who haven't been in the music industry, describe the feeling of dropping into the second chorus of Hack All the Things in front of a packed room. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you know, it's uh if you I think you can appreciate it from either side of the stage, really. Like I remember going to shows and um, and seeing, you know, people freestyle or just be really engaging as MCs and it, it would draw me in. Right. I felt like I was a participant. I was engaged. And, uh, and you know, I, I don't think you have to be a, a rapper, you know, to get the same feeling as being in the audience and, and playing in a packed room like that. But uh, I will say that I, I grew up playing shows in a little hole in the wall dive bar venue in Cincinnati. And that is still like my go-to. I was like playing house parties in college and that's my jam. Like, that's what I want to do. That's the venue. If you let me pick anything, like right now, if you were like, here's an unlimited budget, go book a show. I would be like, all right, we're going to the milestone in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to pack it like, you know, full of, full of hackers and we're going to play a rap show. And you know, the milestone is very similar to the dive bar that I grew up in. And uh, I've played, you know, large stages. I played in front of the Staples Center in, in LA. Um, I, like I've, I've been all over the place, which has been an amazing whirlwind, but I still really love minus the pandemic being in a room full of people where it's just packed in, right? Like DC 801 party at, at DEF CON is like the epitome of that. It's just this big, sweet, packed full of people and you just rap and it's an, it's an amazing feeling. So yeah, which is the hobby, which is the hobby, the music or the hacking? The music for sure. Yeah. I was, I was hacking before I was rapping. And uh, if it ever came down to it where I had to give up one, I would just give up the rapping. I, I don't think I'll ever be oh. able to stop hacking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So compare that uh, yes. feeling of dropping the, the second chorus to popping a shell. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very similar. Um, you know, you see like uh, you get a call back and it's just like you get a bump. Um, it's uh, it's, it's a unique feeling. And I think anybody that's been through, uh, the whole process of learning something and researching and hacking, like, you know, if you're not interested in music at all, uh, but you've figured out something or you fought your way through a network, uh, you can totally go. Uh, it's the same experience in writing a song, right? You're, you start somewhere, you've got some ideas in mind of what it might look like in the end, uh, but you're, you know, you're fighting your way through it and eventually you come out victorious, hopefully. <laughs> so was it, was it always hip hop or have you played other styles of music or? Yeah, great question. I love a bunch of different types of music. Uh, I don't have any musical talent outside of rapping, and I wouldn't even necessarily call that talent. So um, yeah, it's, for me, my voice is my instrument and, and just rapping, but I listen to uh, liquid drum and bass, um, uh, jazz, uh, dubstep, um, trap, you know, pretty much a, any kind of music, I'd probably spin it. So I've got all kinds of playlists on my Spotify account, and I listen to all different kinds of hip hop as well. Um, so I've got, you know, like a a Brazilian hip hop, a French hip hop playlist, languages that I don't speak or understand, uh, but I still listen to and appreciate the music. So, how integral was DefCon in, uh, you know, building the name of Dualcore? Was yeah, massive. <laughs> it's a it's a whole different universe at DefCon. It's um, I don't know. Uh, you just have to go I'm Australian. You, I've got no idea. <laughs> yeah. If you've never been, it's, it's definitely its own thing. And, um, there's a, there's a three, two, one rule that I think, I don't know if pyro came up with it or I know pyro's definitely said it, but you're supposed to, uh, take one shower a day, eat two yeah. meals and sleep for three hours. <laughs> but, uh, before I ever heard that rule. And, you know, when I first started going to DEF CON, my three, two, one rule was like, I would just stay up for three days. And uh, I would definitely take one shower every day and probably eat two meals over the course of DEF CON. So I would just say yes and go to places uh, with people. Like my first DEF CON, I just arrived at DEF CON and I only had one show book. We were the first live hip hop act to ever play uh, the DEF CON stage. And I got there and uh, I was walking through the hotel and someone was like, 80, Aunt 80. And like, nobody's ever really like yelled that handle for me before is like my hacker handle, but I've never like been at, you know, like a place where people are like yelling that name out. So it took me like a minute to register and uh, I hadn't been asleep the previous night because I was so excited for DEF CON. So like I was up all night Tuesday. So the first night I've been asleep was Monday. I got there Wednesday and they're like, let's, let's go to this thing. We're going to go get sushi. You want to go? And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. And so uh, one thing leads to another, leads to another. And I'm like at some karaoke it's like five in the morning now on like thursday and 
uh, I've just been, you know, hanging out, drinking Red Bull to stay awake. And people are like, oh, this guy can rap. I saw him rap before. And so, uh, so they're like, what you can rap, like you want to do a rap song at karaoke. And I'm like, yeah, or you can just pick any beat and I'll just like freestyle over it. And so they're like, okay, so they pick some beat and I just started freestyling about hacking and programming and all this stuff that we do every day. And, uh, and they're like, what are you doing tomorrow night? Or like tonight, I guess, Thursday night. I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, we're hosting the party for the EFF. We need you to like come and rap yeah. at this party. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I showed up and I only had at that point, I think we only had like one album out. Maybe we had just finished our second album. So I didn't have a lot of material. And I was like, only had like my one set for the DEF CON show. And I was like, well, I can't burn that. So I just showed up and uh, they, they had a DJ fortunately. And they were like, okay, you want to rap? What do you want to do? And I was like, well, it's the EFF. We should like raise money for the EFF. So I uh, took this cash box that I had. And I was like, if you make a donation to the EFF and you put money in here, you can tell me to rap about something and I'll rap about it. And so uh, people were just like, you know, the first, well, nobody knew me at the party. So the first person, you know, tentatively came up and dropped in like $20 and they were like, okay, freestyle about EIP. And I'm like, cool, no problem. So I start rapping about buffer overflows, extended instruction pointer. I'm like, I kick the shell code off my shell toes into your cell phone. And everyone is like, what? So people are just, you know, throwing money and rap about this. <laughs> And so I think I freestyled for about uh, 40, 45 minutes. And then uh, we ended up raising something like four or $500 for the EFF. And that was really cool. And that was kind of my first exposure to DEF CON. And then of course we, you know, played the DEF CON stage, but I just hung out. I met people whenever somebody invited me somewhere, I just said yes. And it was an amazing uh, boost from there. So DEF CON was like a, a massive uh, stage for us to build our, our career on, if you will. That's pretty How awesome. much other music happened? Oh, sorry. T tell me about your relationship with uh, Whitey Cracker. Oh, yeah. Me and Bryce go way back. We used to be in the same scene on AOL, uh, but I don't think we knew each other on the AOL days. But uh, I played a show with, uh, with Whitey Cracker in 2008. I think that was the first time we played together. It was a Palooza in, in Florida, in Orlando. And so uh, he and I were talking and I was like, oh, yeah, like, uh, I think we we're doing origin stories. And I was like, oh, yeah, I used to be on AOL. I like wrote these punters and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, cool, me too. And we just, you know, AOL this and that. And then uh, 2009, I was like, um, you should be on, I think and he was on our second album too. So he did a song on our, on Superpowers before we'd ever met. And then uh, 2009, um, I was making Next Level, which is our fourth album. And he happened to be in town. He was visiting a friend. And so I was like, yo, come down, come over to the house and like uh, write this song with me. So he came over. Uh, I pulled this beat up. We wrote a song about AOL. The song's called I Remember. And it's like all of our like AOL stuff that we used to do back in the day. And uh, we recorded it right there in my basement. And, uh, and yeah, we've played. I've lost count of how many shows together. I've been there every time that he's gotten kicked out of a conference or, or, <laughs> or venue that we played at. So uh, we played South by Southwest a bunch of times. Uh, so yeah, he and I go way back. We're basically like robot brothers from a different manufacturer, I think. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, his music is, is similar. Um, he's been more on the dual, dual core side of things. Um, so out in Vegas, man, like that whole, that whole scene, it, you know, it's been kind of destroyed because of the pandemic and they're trying to, to build it back there and get people together again. Do you see that happening? And, and do you see the same cohesiveness? Yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're doing DEF CON in person this year. I'm tentatively planning to go, but when I booked the show, I, I told them I might bail at any point, like I'm going to watch all the data and, and, you know, make up my mind. So I, I might, might bail. And fortunately, DEF CON has been really good to me and they were very understanding in this situation. My perception is that this year it's going to be a lot smaller, right? You still have your virtual option. Uh, they're requiring evidence of vaccination. Of course, you know, we're all hackers and, you know, malcontents and nonconformists. So I'm certain that some people will show up and have their uh, counterfeit <laughs> proof of, of vaccination. Um, but I think it'll be smaller and I think it'll be kind of like a earlier days of DEF CON, if you will. Um, I've only so far received one corporate email party for like, you know, the black hat parties. So I, I don't, I think it'll be different, but um, I'm sure the scene will like, will build back or it'll, it'll emerge into something new. You know, we're hackers. We're always changing. We're always learning stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what do you do for a day job now? You know, I know that you worked in, in IT for, for a good long time and, and what are you doing now? Yeah. My background is mostly red team and reverse engineering. And I've been looking at, um, at uh, cloud stuff lately. And so it's really funny, like learning about cloud platforms and, uh, thinking back to all the red team ops that I've been on, 
against a cloud environment and knowing what I knew now, I'm like, man, I could have ended that up in like 30 seconds. But <laughs> instead I like, you know, worked through the cloud environment previously, like it was a traditional network. And it's like, oh, I was totally looking at like the wrong aspects of the cloud environment. So, uh, so yeah, it's still just hacking stuff and learning as I go along. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I, I work with a guy that you know, um, he's, a, he's a friend of yours, Pyro. Yes. Um, so he and I just joined forces together last month. So I've, I've been at the company for a couple of weeks or so. Um, tell me how that relationship started. Pyro is an awesome guy, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can't remember the first time that I met Pyro, but I can remember the first time that I played the 303 party. And uh, I think we were booked for like, my producer had flown in from the UK. Uh, we had just been, we had this like gauntlet of shows. I think we had like 14 shows that year. And so uh, my producer is jet lagged, having flown in from the UK. And I have this horrific cycle of destruction where it's like, hey, uh, you're, you're feeling tired. Like here, just have, you know, have a vodka Red Bull and then that'll pick you up. And then, you know, by the time it's uh, it, the vodka Red Bull kicks in and we've like played all the shows, he's like all wired up and his like sleep cycle is way off. So we were playing, uh, we were playing the 303 party and it was our first show. We were playing with Whitey Cracker and MC Frontalot, first show for that night, for Saturday night. And I think we had like three more that we were booked for to go to uh, on Saturday. And so uh, I had to, I think I went first and then uh, I had, I feel like I had a verse in Whitey Cracker set and then I had a verse in Frontalot set. So I had to stick around for, for them to finish up. And uh, Frontalot set, I think we finished, uh, we did the song together, Zero Day, uh, which is Whitey Cracker, Frontalot and myself. And we did that, I think, to end the set. And so at the end of the set, uh, I'm about to, to take off and we're going to go to the next show. And then they're like, the DJ didn't show up. So I was like, no worries. I'll just, you know, we'll figure something out. We'll just keep like, a, we'll keep playing for a bit until the DJ shows up and then we'll take off and we'll just go to the next show. So my producer, he's like, all he's got is his, uh, this MacBook and he doesn't have like any, any decks or anything like that. He's just got iTunes and maybe VLC. And so, you know, it's kind of like you have turn, two turntables maybe, but it's not really the same. And so uh, anyways, he's just, he's just playing stuff. And uh, my friend Dale Chase is there with me rocking all the shows. And so me and Dale are up on stage and we're just freestyling and maybe occasionally doing a verse that, you know, we have written, but I think the whole thing was freestyle if I remember right, because I can't pick out any of the songs that we would have done at that point. So we're just freestyling, we're waiting for DJ to show up and we're thinking somebody's going to come kick us off this stage at any moment. And then it's like, you know, it's midnight when we start, then it's like one and then it's two and then it's three and then it's 4 a.m. and the lights are coming on and we've been freestyling this whole time. My producer has gone through all the beats on the laptop twice and everybody in the crowd was still going nuts the entire time. So we just rocked this like four hour freestyle set. And uh, that was my first 303 party uh, that I remember. Awesome. I don't know if that was the first time that I met Pyro, but uh, another uh, I don't know. Is Pyro on yet? Or should I, I have another Pyro story that's amazing, but I'll save it if he's not here. He he isn't here yet. He was supposed to come, um, but we had some things flare up at work last night in the middle of the night. So I'm working actually on two hours sleep right now. So. Oh, word. <laughs> but yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll tell the Pyro story then just in, just in case it's other Pyro story. So uh, there was a separate DEF CON party that I was playing at. And um, for folks that don't know, uh, we were very fortunate in uh, that our music, our song, All the Things was featured in the AAA video, AAA title video game, uh, Watch Dogs 2, um, which is basically like Grand Theft Auto, but you're a hacker. That was really cool. So uh, anyways, um, I'm playing this party at DEF CON and uh, the guy that used to book for DEF CON, maybe still does, uh, Great Scott, have a song with Great Scott called, oh my gosh, I forgot. And it, anyways, there's a video for it on YouTube. Great Scott also is a phenomenal researcher and is very interested in uh, supplementing, uh, human senses. So like if you were blind, could you do something different that would still allow you to like see sort of. So, uh, one of the things, one of the projects that great Scott had worked on was this vest for people with hearing impairment. So if you're a person who's like deaf, for example, you put on this vest and you train the vest on your senses of like feeling these, uh, activators like buzz, um, that pick up sound. So he's got this video where uh, Great Scott's sitting um, on a chair and uh, there's a, a person who's know. deaf <laughs> or uh, sitting, sitting next to him. Maybe it's not Scott, but anyways, two people, one of, one of whom is deaf. And uh, a person says a word like chair. And the person who is deaf wearing the vest feels the vibrations from the vest. And that translates to them to the word chair. And then they write the word chair on this board. 
super cool, like ties in with this app and everything. So I'm at this show, Pyro goes up to DJ and the bass is so loud. I mean, it's, the speakers are just kicking and Scott is there and Scott's like, oh, hey, I got the vest with me. You want to check it out? And I'm like, yes. And I put that vest on and I thought I was going to have a heart attack because Pyro was pushing the sound so loud. Also, like McAfee randomly showed up at that show and I don't know, like was on stage, I think, with Pyro for a hot second. Uh, but anyways, um, I mentioned earlier that our music's in the song Watchdogs 2. And so I was up after Pyro. I got up, uh, we played our set. And by the end of our set, we finished with all the things. The room is packed. Everybody's going nuts. And it turned out that the person who was, uh, there was a person from Def, uh, from Watchdogs 2 from Ubisoft at DEF CON to do like research for the game. They happened to be at that party. They saw all the things and they were like, I have to have this in the game. They sent us an email like the week after DEF CON and they were like, hey, uh, we don't have an NDA or anything, but would you be interested in this? Nobody knows that we're making the game yet. You know, how do you feel about it? Like we have to have your music. And I was like, yeah, send me an NDA and we'll do it. And, uh, and that's how our, our music got in. So it was a show that I played with Pyro. Okay, that's that's how, this, how the song got in the game. <laughs> that's pretty epic too. I mean, you know, the, I, was, I was listening to the uh, soundtrack not too long ago. It's a pretty good soundtrack. And then you listen to like Cyberpunk 2077 and it's, it's okay. But no, <laughs> it's, it's no watchdogs watch too. Like watchdogs. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. And, and so in our NDA, we like, yeah. we didn't say anything about the, the game or anything. Right. And so we were just, we were just sitting back and they had the music and um, I played a show at DerbyCon with uh, Method Man and Red Man, who were like two of my like what? biggest influences. Ah. Yeah, right. So, so I'm like, hey, I've been I was hanging out with them in the back room and, and everything. We're kicking it and got these photos and all this stuff. And somebody leaked somehow a screenshot of Watch Dogs 2 leaked and it had the, the iTunes or whatever player up. And it's got, you know, dual core, all the things and like run the jewels and Danny Brown and Apex Twin and like all these. Oh. And so. People are like, oh my God, dual core, you're in, you're in run the jewel or you're in a watchdogs too. And, and I'm like, I, I don't know where that screenshot came from. Like, I can't see it. So I'm like, look, it's me and method man over here, totally like ignoring the, the screenshot. And then I think uh, the next day Ubisoft, Ubisoft uh, posted like, oh, we're so excited to have dual core joining us in uh, watchdogs too. And my producer, he hadn't seen, that was the first time that we'd seen the roster for the soundtrack. And so he was like, how did we get in the mix with like run the jewels and like all these other people? And I was like, well, clearly they locked us in first. And then they went to those other groups to say, Hey, we've got dual core. So you got to get in on this. And then, you know, that's what won them over. <laughs> At least that's the story that I tell. That's pretty awesome. I like that version. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so when I was on tour over in, in Europe on my speaking tour, um, one of the things was introducing the, the, the new hackers and at the universities to dual because I was always bumping the music before. Um, and that kind of put me in mindset, right? So people come up to me like, what are you listen to? That is so amazing. I was like, you ha you don't know Doer. Like, how long have you been around? Uh, but your your uh, music has that impact on people. Really cool. And I don't think it's just, and I don't think it's just the lines. It's it's the, the content, the, the lyrics that I think really draws people in. Yeah, thanks. I, I couldn't do it without C64. So it was... Who's also yeah. British, also European, right? Um, but I, honestly, without the beats, the lyrics are nothing. Um, I've heard so that, many rappers that are incredible writers and great rappers, but then they rap over a beat that's terrible, and I don't want to listen to it at all. So I couldn't do it without the production. All the all of the credit goes there for sure. Yeah, Ryan's a Ryan's a DJ as well. Was in the music industry oh. for for how long? I'm more than a DJ, man. I've done everything. <laughs> it's when. Since I was four, since I was four, buddy. So. He's bad, man. Yeah. So I'm interested to know. Um, yeah. So I, I tried. To oh yeah, Mike, your uh, your internet is like super choppy, man. You gotta you gotta yeah, flip the QoS on. I'm very secluded. I, I live in a very Stop secluded place. Up, man. I'm a. Yeah. He's gone. He's gone. All right, um, five Desert Island records, mate. You've got five for the rest of your life. Oh, man. Well, uh, being a hacker, I'm actually going to go with six because I've got six on my wall oh. in my living room. Um, and if I can remember correctly, they are... In one sleeve. 
Yeah, there you go. Yes. Well, actually, one of one of them is a double album. So yes. <laughs> um, let's see. I got uh, on my wall in my living room. I've got Liquid Swords by Jizza, uh, Illmatic by Nas, uh, As the World Burns by The Arsonist, uh, Internal Affairs by Pharaoh Monch, Run the Jewels, the first one by Run the Jewels, and uh, Wu Tang Forever by Wu Tang Clan. Forever. Good. Good choice. Yeah, it was. If, if you could feel your worst enemy and they had to listen to one track for the rest of their life, what would that be? Okay. Uh, if I, if I had got to pick one track for the rest of my life, my favorite no, not the rest track, of yours for oh, your worst enemy, oh, what for track my worst... would you, would you oh. inflict onto someone? Okay. Well, I don't have any enemies, so I guess they're, they're also my, my best friend. Hypothetically. <laughs> uh, I would, you know, I'd, I'd take kindness on them and I would share uh, my, my favorite track of all time, which would be story two by clipping. I'm unfamiliar. All right. So Clipping is this like, it's a trio of people, if I remember correctly. Uh, The rapper is David Diggs, who was in the original cast of Hamilton um, and was in the movie Blind Spotting and has done a bunch of other stuff as well. Phenomenal rapper, just very technical, very talented. But the, my take on Clipping is that the David Diggs raps over these like really glitchy, like noise beats. Like some of them are more yeah. like traditional hip hop beats, but my take on it is that David Diggs is so good at rapping that regular hip hop is too easy uh-huh. and too boring for him. So he picks these like, you know, different, more challenging beats, but story two is a fascinating track because it tells this really cool story, but the tempo and the uh, cadence change throughout, throughout the song. And he changes up his flow as the beat changes with it. So it's a yeah, phenomenal track. It's masterful rapping. Awesome. What about you, Mike? Five five records you could take to a desert island for the rest of your life. Zero one. And <laughs> uh, probably some old school jams, like Wu-Tang. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that I'm digitized right now. But definitely, I go with six because I would have I have a, a, a problem focusing. So it would be zero and Wu-Tang. Any Wu-Tang, don't matter. So what, what albums Wu-Tang's are you working much on now? Are you working on anything? Yeah, uh, I've got a bunch of projects in flight. Um, so we have, a, we have a dual core album that's maybe about halfway done, but I'm definitely the bottleneck. I've got like all more than, more beats than I know what to do with from C64. Uh, so I've got, we got a new track that's coming out on the DEF CON soundtrack, hopefully, if they accept it. Uh, let's see. I have a project with a good friend of mine, Michael Kill. Uh, our project together is called The Troubleshooters. And um, he met Michael Kill makes all the beats, but then we also rap on it together. And so uh, we have an EP that we did a few years back called Lead Time. But we since then wrote a completely different album, none of which got recorded. And then we decided, hey, let's just make another album and like ditch all of the other previous tracks. Uh, so he and I have started work on a, on a new Troubleshooters album. We also have a Troubleshooters mixtape that we're doing that's based off of Westworld. So all of the songs are like about Westworld and all of the beat, uh, all the beats are from the score, like sampled and, and chopped up. Uh, I've got some solo projects that I'm working on. I put out a solo EP earlier this year called Loyalty. Uh, Michael Kill did all the production on that as well. Uh, the, uh, the Loyalty EP is all about Full Metal Alchemist. As a uh, anime, like I'm not huge into anime, but I watched the series with my wife and I was, I really enjoyed it. I'd watched the original one years ago. And then uh, we watched Brotherhood on Netflix uh, right before the pandemic. So I made this EP with Michael Kill, all the music also from uh, the Full Metal Alchemist series. And, uh, and then I've got a sequel that's coming out. So all of my vocals are written and recorded for it. And I've just got to ship them off for mixing. And then uh, what else? I'm doing a three track EP with this, amazing artist from Belgium named Riako, R-Y-A-K-O. And Riako and Kadesh Flow, who's another nerdcore artist, uh, they just won a a tournament together called VPC. Um, And so Riako is like sensationally talented. She can sing, she can rap, uh, she can produce. She's, uh, she like scores stuff. She did an entire score of the movie Metropolis. Uh, So she and I have a three track project that is like uh, in flight, if you will. I've got like one song that is pretty close to done on it. And then she's got all the beats done. So I just have to write vocals for another song. Uh, I've had a solo EP that I'm working on with Dale Chase, but I only have half of the beats in for it. So I was kind of waiting to get like all the beats in before I can kind of put everything together. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it. Uh, just working on a handful of things as, as I do. 
Yeah. You and Mark, who is it? That's pretty awesome. Thanks. Yeah, the the music, like deconstructing music, makes me find so awesome. It's like fun. Um, tried my hand at it and, and like really amateur stuff. It's fun. Like, oh, it wasn't too bad, Mark. It was good. Outlet. And I think that, I think hackers have that that level of creativity. Right? So all of us tend to do, you know, like music or art. Um, I have a question for you. If you get one thing about our culture, what would it be? Sorry, I, I missed the verb in, in the question. Mr. Hawking, can you speak up? <laughs> sure. If you could change anything about the hacker culture, what would it be? I, I guess, was it change anything? Change? Yes? No? Sounds like a yes from the chat. So yeah, the, the question for, for folks was if, if we could change anything about the hacker culture, what would it be? And uh, I think I would, I would just opt to make it more welcoming where we can. Um, I'm like, I'm fascinated by uh, how much material is out there now, but I'm always excited to share, you know, stuff that I'm learning. And I feel like I'm always learning, but there's, there's uh, sometimes there's some aspect of like, uh, you know, I had to bang my head against the wall. I had to try hard to figure this out. You should have to also. And I don't think that should be the case. I think everybody should be, uh, you know, you should, you should pay it forward and in, in helping make, making other people's ramp up easier. And then that way they yeah. can get to a spot where they can start forward. creating and figuring out new things. Right. So yeah, paying it forward. Exactly. So that's, that's what I would change is just make it more welcoming. We're, we're all different people from all different places. You know, the hacker manifesto is like literally like our crime is of curiosity. We don't care about anything else. And so that's what it should be. Uh, in my opinion, that's, that's the one thing I would change, but I'm, I'm actually curious if I can backtrack a few steps, you. Ryan, like what are your five desert Island records? Ooh. Um, we got albums or singles. We got albums. Um, Sly and the Family Stone, Fresh. Yeah. Um, oh, a Dan Beauty and the Bee. Um, what else would it? We chill out to you, babe. Um, um, War of the Worlds, double one from the seventies. Um, just for something a bit, you know, a bit of story time. Um, what else? Out of the Land, Prodigy, and. Something by Billy Strings just to get my, yes. you know, get my yeah. yokel on. Yeah, that's it. And sorry, to nerd, out about, to nerd out about music, just to touch more. Ryan, I take yeah, it, you're, it you're from down under, yeah? I am indeed. I am, yes. Are you familiar with a project called uh, Avondale Bowling Club? Avondale Bowling Club. Yes, yeah, it sounds familiar, but um, is that in Sydney? Yes. He's a New Zealand uh, rapper, and uh, he had a group before that called uh, Homebrew. And homebrew is like phenomenal. And so is Avondale Bowling Club. Very like jazzy, uh, like, I don't know, kind of like 90s boom bap hip hop beats, if you will, if I had to compare yeah. it to anything. Um, but it's it's really its own thing. But phenomenal yeah, writing. hip hop's weird, man. Aussie hip hop has got its own unique kind of style and sound. It's all tongue in cheek and, you know, about barbecues and, you know. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've, it's I've not gangster some, at all. <laughs> I've, I've heard some folks ripping on some tracks. Uh, there's a track that, uh, from a rapper named Wombat who uh, rap, yeah, songs called. Ed, yeah. See? Yeah. Wombat. Yeah, I've heard much. rip on a few tracks. So I don't, I don't think it's all tongue in cheek. There's definitely a lot, a well, lot of talent yeah, down some under. serious stuff, but uh, you know, we don't like to push it out there. We're quite humble in our approach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. There was a, a question. I, I, I in think the, I would, yeah. In the chat, do you believe if you start rapping or making songs about something like hacking, it gives that thing a different status in society or takes it to the next level? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think the the more that people talk about a certain thing, it's like the Barbra Streisand effect, right? The the more it's in the in front of you, the the more you start to see it. Or or maybe like when you buy a car, right? You you buy a particular kind of car, you've never noticed that kind of car on the road, but then you start to you start to notice it more and more. So yeah, I think uh, if you talk about something, you bring it to the forefront, it gives it more of a life. Uh, what do y'all think? So, absolutely. And you learn hacking from rushing about hacking. <laughs> Sorry, get in there, Mike. Maybe not. <laughs> but yeah, you learn okay. hacking through osmosis. Can you rap about hacking to become a good hacker? Yes, definitely. Um, for example, uh, I wanted to, um, I wanted to rap about a, uh, particular exploit technique. And I was like, I don't know enough about it, 
like I've, you know, like I've, I've written a couple of the exploits, but I don't fully understand the technique like well enough uh, to like rap about it such that if somebody came up to me and was like, yo, in that line that you had in that song, like you were talking about this thing. Right. And so did you know, like this other thing, blah, blah, blah. Like if I was lost deer in headlights, then I'd be like completely disingenuine or ingenuine, dis, disgenuine. I don't know. I would be not genuine and that's not who I am. And so I, I was like, I wanted to, I had this really cool line in mind and I was like, oh, this is a really good reason for me to learn more about this particular exploit technique. That's cool, man. So what would be your so, favorite dual core song? I know you avoided that before, <laughs> but what is your favorite dual core song? I avoided it then and I'll avoid it now. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Man, I don't, I don't have one. There's a, there's a, I guess there's a handful um, that, you know, kind of stand out to me. Uh, for example, I like to play farewell at shows. The fair, farewell is off of all the things. It's not like what I would, what I would call a uh, traditional live sh show song that you would play. There's no like call and response. Um, it's not, you know, a particularly memorable chorus that you can like easily recite it back. Uh, but when I wrote the song, I had this like idea of having like two stories that you seemingly unrelated, but then you kind of connect them at the end. And, uh, and it, the beat, I loved the beats for farewell so much that when I went to sit down and write the song, all the lyrics just kind of like spilled out of me. And I wrote that song in like record time. Like I don't, maybe like 10 minutes or something. Um, it just all came like pouring out. And, uh, and I really liked the experience of writing the song. And the song that were uh, submitted for the DEF CON soundtrack this year is very similar and in, in the same, all the same senses. And uh, it, the song is called The Same Time. And uh, it's, like I said, very similar to having written Farewell, very similar experience. So how is, how is, being, how be, how is it being dual core? Has it changed your life like completely? What, what part of your life has changed being in dual core? Oh yeah. It's totally like Ouroboros, if you will, like the snake that eats itself. Um, you know, it's like both sides feed each other. Right. So like I use the rapping to get on stage and rap in front of a bunch of hackers. And therefore that provides me an opportunity to meet a bunch of hackers and talk to them about stuff that I'm researching and things that they're researching, which then helps improve my hacking. And then also make connections for like, if I want to, you know, uh, work on a particular thing, I know somebody to, to go work with. Um, and so, uh, and then it's, uh, you know, having, um, having a stable job from developing hacking skills, I can then afford to sometimes play shows where I don't necessarily make money on the show. Right. So if like, it, there's like a small B sides and they're like, can you come out? Um, you know, all we can do is, you know, pay for like your hotel, like, great. I want to come support the, the B sides show. I can afford to, to fly out. And so then that kind of starts the cycle again, where I get to get up on stage in front of hackers. Uh, share rap music that I love about hacking, meet a bunch of hackers, talk about research and ideas and everything. And, you know, there it is, the, the cycle feeding, feeding itself. So, yeah, my entire life has changed. <laughs> so any new tracks in the works for ransomware? No, uh, no. <laughs> I am uh, too scared of, of ransomware to touch it. Uh, I did uh, 2017, four, four years ago. Uh, Palo Alto Networks, they had like a CTF that was uh, called Labyrinth, but it was like Labyrinth, like L-A-B-Y-R-E-N-T-H, and uh, like the R-E is reverse engineering. And so I made, um, I made a ransomware uh, CTF challenge for them. And so it was like, a, I want to say it was a MIPS binary um, that was like uh, an infected router that had like encrypted the router. And so you had to uh, take apart the binary and then like reverse it and uh, come up with the flag. And the, the flag was that ransomware ran somewhere. Yeah, there's a, that's interesting. There's, there's a lot of people that I talked to over in the UK that, that when I mentioned a dual core or whatever, they had no idea that you, you were actually technical and actually a hacker as well. They thought that you were just pulling out lyrics from, you know, the, the buzzwords of the industry. And I was like, no, there, there's more to this. And so we sat down and talked about it. I think that's pretty amazing. I think it adds another level to your music. Um, so what are you interested in now? I mean, what's like your hobby at home? Do you research? Like, do you have your own lab? What kind of stuff do you do? Yeah, uh, I've got, you know, a personal laptop and uh, like, I guess two personal laptops. And um, I just researched different things. I was really interested in uh, container escapes early in the year. And so that was like one of my New Year's goals was to like learn container security. And so I did that by uh, playing on Hack the Box. And Hack the Box has like tags that you can select for. So you say like, I want to play boxes that have like sandbox escape. And so I did a bunch of the 
uh, a bunch of the boxes. It has sandbox escape. I learned a ton about container breakouts. And so that was really cool. Um, I got a, uh, I don't know hardly anything about um, hardware hacking. So I, uh, Joe Fitzpatrick um, makes like amazing training materials and had a uh, new, I think a new device. And then also like a training course that you could get as part of a Kickstarter for like a, a discounted price. So I signed up for that and um, I've got that uh, sitting, uh, sitting on the shelf here. And that's like my next thing after I finish learning the fundamentals of Kubernetes. So like I've like, I've played a bunch of Kubernetes CTFs, been able to like, you know, get flags and everything, but I feel like I don't really understand Kubernetes, although I don't know if it's possible to fully understand Kubernetes. <laughs> so anyways, I just want to like, I want to get a better grasp of the fundamentals of it. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, probably jump over to some hardware hacking. So I don't know, like I'm always learning and um, uh, like I said, I've, I've been working on cloud stuff recently. And so like learning cloud stuff has been really fascinating to me thinking about it's kind of like a, a different attack surface or a different, you know, plane to attack. That's pretty awesome. Uh, by the way, you do know that Pyro is hiring red teamers too. Just saying. Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. One day, if I was good enough, I might apply. <laughs> oh, come on now. Um, so like, what are your hobbies outside of like tech and music and what kind of stuff do you do to, to fill the time? Yeah, uh, I, I really like um, rock climbing. And so uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to, you know, rock climb during the pandemic, but huge fan of rock climbing. Uh, my wife and I, we go ride our bikes around the neighborhood. Um, and yeah, pretty much the, the coolest thing, honestly, in my life right now is just being married. <laughs> so my wife is like this amazing Brazilian hacker. Uh, she is like really good at uh, physical pen testing and social engineering. And so uh, she and I were actually doing this project together with uh, some, some of her Brazilian friends called UHC, which is Ultimate Hacking Championship. And it was kind of like esports, but hacking. And so every week there would be like a unique CTF, kind of like hack the box style. Uh, there would be like a, there would be a preliminary round with a, a one environment and then a uh, finals round on Sundays. So preliminary round would be Saturdays, finals on Sundays, both unique environments every single week. So two, two unique environments each week. But uh, the top 10 players from the prelims would then play live on the Sundays and we would live stream it and comment it. And so we would be talking about, uh, we'd have guests on. So we had folks like uh, Ipsec, um, uh, one of Pyro's former or current cohorts, uh, Ryan Jones or Liz Borden, as y'all might know, um, joined us. Uh, so a, a bunch of different folks, uh, John Hammond, Naham Sec, all joined and uh, we would live stream. We would show the screens of the, of the players playing the CTF. And we would talk about like what tools we're seeing and the methodology and everything. So we see like, okay, this person is using GoBuster and they're doing that to identify, you know, subdomains uh, for the web app that they're attacking or, or whatever. And, uh, or like, you know, different endpoints that they can hit. Um, and we see like, oh, this other person is running Fuff and it's very similar to GoBuster and that you can kind of use it in the same ways, but has like these different tweaks to it. And, um, and it was really fun. And so uh, I, we took a break, I want to say in May, and then I just kind of left the project for personal reasons, uh, but also really cool. And, you know, my wife, Marina is just amazing. So that's really the coolest part of my life. The, the music stuff and hacking stuff I've been doing for a while, but never had like such an awesome partner to do it with me. Um, so is that where that song, uh, My Girlfriend's a Hacker, is that where that came from? No, uh, that was, um, man, I wrote My Girlfriend's a Hacker in maybe 2007 or eight, I think. And I met Marina in 2016. So she uh, used to run the biggest hacking and tech conference in Latin America and uh, oh. in, in Sao Paulo. And so uh, they invited me to uh, give a talk and uh, play a show in, in, in Sao Paulo one year. And so that was where I first met her in, in 2016. Super fun. Um, I was, it was amazing. And uh, I was, I was really unsure of what to expect. Cause I'm like, you know, Brazilians, like are, they're into hip hop. Like, I don't know. Or like they like rap music about hacking. Like, I don't know. And it was a weird setup. The venue had two stages. And so what they were doing was they had like, you know, uh, two shows on one stage and two shows on another. And then they were just kind of an offset. And the show that was on before me was like the biggest rock band in Brazil. And they were on the, the main stage and I was just like in this like side DJ club, but uh, the, the rock band started late. And so I was like, I didn't know what to do. And also I didn't, I don't speak Portuguese. So I was like, uh, I was like, you know, do you want me to start? Cause like, I know they started like 45 minutes late and their set's only supposed to be 45 minutes. I was like, you know, but I'd, you're the client. So you tell me like, I'll, I'll play to an empty room if you want. If you're like, if you're really, you know, uh, focused on getting the, the show back on time, like that's cool. We can start on time. You, you tell me what to do. 
And so they, they kept pushing it back, like, eh, give it like 10 more minutes, eh, another 15. And so eventually they were like, okay, you can, uh, you can, you can start now if you want. And I said, all right, cool. And the DJ from, I was the second show in the, in the club, the DJ from the first show was like, Hey, do you want to, uh, do you want me to DJ for you? And I was like, cool. I don't have a DJ. I'm just here by myself. I was just going to, you know, hit spacebar on my laptop and that's pretty much it. And so, but the DJ didn't speak English. So I'm like, you know, here, here, like, I'll just take all the songs. I'll like number them and I'll put them on a USB drive. You can put them in the decks. And so I'm like leaning over the decks with my back to the audience where the audience would be. There's like six people at that point. And we're just making sure everything's in line. And I'm like, cool. I'll tell you like when to pause, et cetera. So I'm like, you know, if I do this, it means like pause and like trying to communicate without language. And, uh, and so we got everything set up and I turn back around and the club is packed full of people. I was like, oh, all right, cool. Like, here we go sound was so loud. It was amazing. And that's, you know, that's a good measure for, for a club. And, uh, and so I, I played the show, man, people were like break dancing. I have a song about counter-strike from our first album from zero one. The song is called hostage down. I played hostage down. The audience knew all the words. I don't know how they knew all the words. It was wild. I was, it was a whole other experience. It was incredible. So, uh, yeah. So uh, unfortunately my girlfriend is, uh, from, uh, before I met Marina. What do you have, Ryan? You got questions? Just trying to convince Fee to come on camera. Huh. Yeah, I do actually have some questions. Uh, uh, the music industry over the last, you know, since Napster um, has moved from physical into digital, has massive, massive liability with everything being stored online, but it seems to be one of the slowest to take on cybersecurity. Um, what do you see as the biggest threats to the music industry as far as Know, threat actors and vulnerabilities and things like that what's the like even with the djing side of things are like uh the new uh pioneer software goes straight back to the beatport store so there's no actually phys- it's all it's all over the net like or putting yeah. shell code shell code and audio files too yeah, yeah. you know my, my id3 tags have a bunch of bytes in them <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I've never really thought about it from the music industry. Honestly, I, I don't feel like I've ever been a part of the music industry. Um, I remember when I started rapping, somebody recommended a book called me uh, to me called, uh, what, what is it like? What Make it big to- in the music industry. <laughs> no, it was, a, yeah, it was something like, uh, everything you need to know about the music industry or whatever. And it basically was like, here's a bunch of ways that labels write loopholes into contracts to like, basically get over on the artist. I'm like, wow, this sounds like a losing thing. And so, but fortunately, by the time we started dual core, uh, we had the internet. And so I was like, I just, you know, publish music, you know, wherever I want. And fortunately at that point, there was a company called TuneCore that had just come out. And so we, we put out our first album and I was like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to put our music on TuneCore? Like it'll be in iTunes and that'll make us sound official. And I thought that was hilarious. And so my producer was like, yeah, you know, put the money in or, you know, spend the money on TuneCore. And so we did. And it, paid out like really well. We use a different service now called DistroKid, which is also phenomenal. Also uh, but, really good. But the, the thing about uh, content that I think the entertainment industry wants to downplay or, or not ignore is that the way you beat piracy is by making your making it easier for people to give you money, right? So I, like I, I had a, uh, I was at DEF CON one year, somebody came up to me and they were like, hey, I'm, I'm building a thing that's like Bandcamp. And Bandcamp is a site where you can put your music up, people can download it in any format, and you can do different pricing models, right? You can say, you can pay $10 for my album. You can pay more than $10 if you want at, at any limit, like unlimited, um, or you can like give it away for free or, or whatever you want to do. Uh, so this person was like, I'm building Bandcamp, but it only takes Bitcoin. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Another way for people to give me money, like sign me up, right? Because computers are going to copy bits no matter what. So like some percentage of people that listen to dual core are never going to pay for dual core. And I'm totally fine with that you know, we're all from the internet. I know how it works. So I'm like, yeah, great here. Like take a copy of all the things and put it up. And here's like my Bitcoin wallet address and like, let's do it. And, uh, and so they did. And I did check out the site. It was called, it was called BitTracks, If I remember correctly, I checked it out once. And I was like, Hey, it works. Cool. I'm like listening to my music. My music's on there. And I totally forgot about it. And then several years later, I was going through uh, my password manager and I was like, you know, removing old files and or entries. And I was like, what is it? tracks? I'm like, why does that sound familiar? And I was like, oh, Bitcoin wallet address. Okay. And I found this Bitcoin wallet. And I was like, oh, shoot, I had a bunch of album sales. And at the time, uh, when the person was at DEF CON making the site, Bitcoin was like $10. And 
And so I was like, yeah, sell, oh. sell, sell my album for like one Bitcoin because like we usually charge $10 for it. And uh, at the time when I checked the wallet address, Bitcoin was like $650. And so I was like, oh my God, I have all these album sales. I was like, dump. And I just like sold all the Bitcoin. <laughs> but yeah, the, I think the, you know, the threat to the music industry is the music industry itself. Artists are always going to make things, are always going to find ways to connect with fans. And I think uh, the music industry trying to control the content, control the artists is basically going to be its undoing, its, its unbecoming. Um, art, you know, artists don't need the music industry necessarily anymore. So that's my take on it. And also, if you're fascinated in this or if you want to hate the music industry or the entertainment industry, I highly recommend a book called uh, Information Doesn't Want to Be Free by Cory Doctorow. And it's available. The book itself is available for free. I listen to it as an audio book from my library, uh, but really well written um, and basically talks about, you know, all of these ways where things like DRM and uh, the and entertainment industry going after copyright holders or copyright infringers, quote unquote, um, you know, causes trouble. And so uh, I, I think, you know, the, the music industry is its own threat to itself. So how did you weather the storm of COVID? Did you, uh, were you uh, severely impacted? Like, where do you get the majority of your music income from? Live performance or um, from sales? Yeah, usually from just uh, our streaming and and file uh, oh, sales. So yeah, Come thanks. <laughs> um, my my goal with playing live was that I just hey, my goal, Hello. My goal, welcome. <laughs> my goal great. playing. Oh, sorry. Thank you. It's a great conversation. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to add um, Patty Smith to the the desert remix. Cool. Yeah, you're we're hackers. You're allowed to add as many as you want. <laughs> At some point, you're going to get, you know, too many and you'll come back to negative one albums, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave them um, in the sun for a day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so my goal with playing shows live was just not to lose money. That's all. And so uh, where we can charge money, I will, you know, so if, if somebody like, like I played shows for like Microsoft and Google and Facebook, and I'm like, y'all have money, you can pay me money, that's fine. But, you know, for smaller shows like B-Sides or like, or a smaller B-Sides conference, you know, I'm like, hey, I just want to play if you want me to, if you want me to come play the show, like, let's try to just make it happen at, you know, the least, least possible cost. Um, so yeah, most of our money therefore comes from sales and, and streaming. That's I, awesome, man. I def, thank you. I definitely miss playing live. That is for certain. Uh, I've wrapped on a couple streams and it, uh, it's not the same wrapping in a room by myself <laughs> and pre pretending that there might be an audience out there. Uh, so I, I miss it. I, I hope to play it at DEF CON this year, but again, I'm like watching everything because I definitely don't want to play at DEF CON, get sick and then never be able to play after that. So that's, uh, that's, that's the, the, you know, the trade-off, I suppose. Yeah. I would much rather take another year off than this one, one DEF CON this and then, uh, you know, get to play the rest of them. Yeah. I, I had COVID over in London and, uh, it's, it's no joke. It's not fun. Um, and it, it affected, uh, public speaking the same way it's affected artists. You know, we went from huge audiences to doing things over like zoom. Yeah, and it's really it, you can't gauge the crowd. You can't see who's engaging, and, and you don't know how you're being per, you know perceived. So it's really tough. So I, I totally get you on that one. But COVID, yeah, I would stay away from COVID, man, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, is like, what do I need to wrap my lungs? What is COVID? An upper respiratory disease? No thanks. <laughs> and also, the other part of that is like, you know, the other the rest of the show is all people, right? And so I would feel tremendously bad Five. if anybody got sick from being at a dual core show. Like every dual core shows should be like a good spot where you go and you have fun. Yeah, I've always liked that about your music too, because it, it's not one of those things where there's a bunch of haters and, and there's not a bunch of conflict. It brought people together. Um, and you know, in the, in the hacker culture, we have hacker wars, we have conflicts, we have drama, uh, but your music brought all this together. Yeah, and even if people don't oh, like my music, they can come together and agreeing that they dislike my music. So see, I can still <laughs> bring people together regardless. <laughs> love it, I love it. So do you have any questions for us, man? I, I really appreciate you being on the show. Like, this, it means a lot to me that you're here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Um, I don't know, like, uh, tell me about, like, how did y'all get started listening to hip hop? What was your, like, what was your introduction to hip hop like? You want to start with that one, Mike? Yeah, my introduction to hip hop was was actually 
my teen years, um, and I was a professional boxer at one point. So that's all I heard was hip hop in the gym. Um, I was in Houston. And so we had the ghetto boys. We had, you know, the fourth ward boys, uh, flavor Flav. I mean, you know, all those guys right there in Houston. Um, so that, the, Houston's a big influence. Paul wall. Oh know, yeah. Another one. Swisher house. So third coast goes. Yeah, coast. That's right. That's right. So I, I was raised around that. Um, what about you, Ron? Um, my cousin used to live with us when I was in primary school and she would, uh, I would pretend to be sick so I could stay home from school because she had this music that I'd never heard before. It had swearing in it and it was like, she played it really loud and NWA and two live crew. And it was like, be blaring out from my house and then she moved out and hip-hop kind of disappeared and i didn't rediscover it until 411 video magazine out of new york always had the the best best hip-hop on it man so yeah that was it primary school skateboarding kind of took a bit of a dive in australia during the early 90s so but we were hardcore so we built a half pipe in the backyard hip-hop blaring you know it's good good stuff it's so funny, like uh, the kids that I went to school with that were skateboarders didn't like hip hop. And so my you know, view of the world was that skateboarders don't like hip hop. But then it turns out that is definitely not the case. I think people in any kind of group okay. will find hip hop. And uh, and then, of course, you know, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 is like the greatest video game soundtrack of all time with like amazing hip hop on it. So who, who else have you um, Absolutely. performed with? Like that that um, Method Man, Red Man call like... Yeah. Uh, so I was actually supposed to play a show with Buster Rhymes and oh. Buster Rhymes uh, didn't show up. And so uh, we finished. And scared, then mate. Were- he was scared. He knew, he knew what he was up against. <laughs> and then, uh, so they were like, can you go back out and like play another set? Because Buster Rhymes didn't make it. And, uh, and so they let me raid his green room and uh, Buster Rhymes green room had, you know, like things that you would expect to find. But the Red thing Bulls. that Red jumped Bulls. out to me was uh, there was a stack of black towels. And I was like, what? Like, where did, where did these black towels come from? And they're like, oh, he had it on his rider. I'm like, I'm putting that in my rider. And so now whenever I play a show that's like big and they ask me for a rider, I'm like, towels, black, six. <laughs> it's like sounding official. But I have this like stack of black towels at home now from rap shows. Um, so yeah, I, I did not play with Buster Rhymes. Uh, I don't like, I mean, I played with a, a number of like underground hip hop uh, artists, but um, a, a big name that folks might recognize is uh, Lil Flip. And this is like when I first started rapping, I, I started out my first my first rap ever was a battle rap about me being a better hacker than this person that like harassed me into writing a battle rap about them. Uh, Remember it? Oh, no way. Not at all. Uh, but it was uh, um, when I when I first started programming and hacking, I used to hack with this kid from New Jersey and we would talk about hip hop all the time. And so one day he wrote a rap verse about how he was a better hacker than I was. And so he kept bugging me to write a response to it. So that was my first rap verse. Um, and so I, I came up like freestyling as a battle rapper. And I thought like, oh, it'd be fun to play shows. Like I've, I had a few songs at that point. So I was like, it'd be fun to play shows. So I, uh, somebody had told me that like, if you can get in onto like this college board circuit, you could like get booked for shows really easily and make a bunch of money. And I was like, that sounds cool. And I was, I was in, in college at the time. And so uh, I was like um, calling uh, different college boards, trying to find these you know, shows to play. And the University of Toledo had booked Lil Flip, who was really big. He just had this uh, 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 single come out called Game Over. And it had, you know, video game like samples in it. And so I was like, this fits perfectly. Like I'm a perfect match. They should totally have me uh, open for them. So I'm just like, yeah, like there's this rapper from Cincinnati and he's really cool. Like y'all got to book him for the show. I'm like talking about my th- myself in third person, trying to social engineer this booking for this little flip show. And so they're like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. And then they call me back a few days later and they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to have this like freestyle battle. And so uh, can you have like this rapper come up to Toledo and be in the freestyle battle? And so I'm like, yeah, okay. So I go up there. Nobody knows who I am. I just like destroy everybody in this tournament. And uh, in the, in the tournament on one side of the bracket, like I got into the finals and then in the semifinals on the other side were two people and like each of them had essentially brought half the crowd. So they basically were like, they couldn't, the uh, votes were by crowd noise. 
So when they'd ask, you know, do you think person A won, half the crowd would make noise. And you thought person B won, the other half would make noise. So they couldn't determine who won between the two. So they're like, okay, it's going to be like a final with three people. And so I battled like these other two guys and they spent their entire time just going at me, not at each other. And so I just like destroyed both of them. And, uh, and then when they did like the make noise thing, like almost nobody cheered for person A or person B. And then like everybody cheered for me. So I was like, that was cool. And then uh, they were like, okay, is there anybody in the crowd that thinks they can beat this guy? And so like five people jump up on stage. And so I battle all of them and beat all of them. And I was like, cool, like I'm going home. I'll see y'all at the little flip concert. And then I uh, drove back up whenever it was like a week later for the, uh, for the little flip show. And, uh, and so, yeah, that was how I got to play a show with little flip one time. That was, it was really funny. Uh, Robin, put you on the spot, man. That's pretty awesome. I hate this freestyle. No way. <laughs> I have not freestyled in so long. I'd be completely you guys rusty. That beat? I don't even think I can make cat and bat rhyme anymore, honestly. <laughs> so I like uh, coming through? messing with, with music. It, no, it's not coming through. You have to share your audio, but uh, yeah, don't worry. Plus it'll, it'll, it won't be synced. Right. It'll sound like I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm hitting on the, on the hi hats or something. <laughs> sound like Stephen Hawking yeah. like me. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, anyway. So I like messing with music and, and sending messages to people through music, right? So whatever mood I'm in, you know, that, that's kind of the track that I put out. Um, and, you know, I talk about rap battle and you talk about, you know, hacker battles or whatever. And, uh, you know, music is a great way to get a message across. So if you were to give a message to the people coming into security, what would that be? Do what you like and also figure out what you don't like. There's so much cool stuff out there, right? It's like a dog chasing a bunch of cars. Um, but also uh, some of it, you know, may not be fun. And so uh, my recommendation to folks is do stuff, try different things, right? If somebody asks you like, what are you interested in? It doesn't have to be only one thing. You don't have to say only pen testing or forensics or whatever. So try a bunch of different things, play CTFs. But when you don't have job experience, it is tough to get your foot in the door for that first job. Getting that initial foothold is so challenging, it's climbing the highest mountain. The way that I like to see people get in the door, and honestly, I, as a hiring manager, what I look for are folks that have stuff that they publish. So like if you, if you put stuff on GitHub, whether it's like playing a CTF, playing Hack the Box, playing Try Hack Me, whatever, like write up your notes, put it on a blog, stuff is free, right? You know, put it on, put it on GitHub pages, um, but showing that is like, that is your new resume, right? You don't have job experience. You've like dropped out of high school. Fine. Like some of the best red teamers I've ever worked with in my life, never touched college. So um, you don't have to have a college degree these days. It's amazing. And so, uh, just do stuff, right? Show people that you can do stuff. And I, I, I really like that approach. Um, so that's my recommendations, literally do stuff. And in doing that, you know, publish what you're doing and also, um, figure out what you don't like. And, and so I, I like, I had one time where I took a job and I was like, this is going to be cool. This is what I've wanted. Like it was like application security. I was like, this is going to be hacking. This is going to be so cool. It was like my first infosec job. And I started doing the job and I was like working my way through this network and I'm like, okay, cool. I've got DA. I'm good to go. And they're like, no, no, no. You're just supposed to like take a screenshot of the alert box when you find cross-site scripting and put that in the report. You're not supposed to like do anything more than that. And I'm like, what? Like, who understands that? What is like, you know, if I show them like, look, I'm the domain admin. I like hear all the passwords for all of your users in your entire company. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, they're going to understand what that is, right? I'm like, here's your database for like this area of production. They're going to understand what that is. If they're like, hey, it, this says alert one, you have a, a bug to fix in your web app. Nobody understands what that is. So uh, so yeah, I thought application security was going to be like my thing. I was super hyped to do it. And then it's like, it's not my thing. So, um, so yeah, you know, just do things, figure out what you like and what you don't like. And it doesn't, you don't have to like the same thing all the time. You can change gears at any point. Like I really liked doing offensive stuff for a while. And then I was like, mm, I like, I, I want to crack software. So then I, you know, learn how to reverse engineer stuff. Then I was like, oh, cool. Cracking software is really fun. I was like copy, uh, cracking copy protection for a living. And then I was like, oh, like malware seems really neat. Like that stuff actually has like real world impact, you know, copy protection, meh. And so uh, I went to reverse engineer malware. And then I was like, this malware stuff is like really easy. Like a lot of it's not protected. A lot of it's like built with the symbols in it. And it's just really basic stuff like reverse shells and very simple backdoors. So like malware reversing was like a thing that I was really excited to do. I thought it was going to be really challenging and it turned out to be not as challenging or not what I was looking for. 
Um, so yeah, just do a bunch of stuff. And when you find something you don't like, that's fine. Like make a note of it, move on, change gears, do something else, but uh, keep doing stuff. As uh, my cohort Sulfur says, um, never stop learning. And so uh, Sulfur is a rapper like me. Uh, I taught him how to lock pick one time on tour. He's like way better at getting into places than I will ever be. He's got a video uh, for his song, Never Stop Learning, where he makes lock picks out of uh, two paper clips and two quarters. And then he uses the lock picks to open his front door at the end of the video. It's a sick video. So uh, if, you're, if you're curious, look up by Sulphur, uh, Never Stop Learning. But yeah, never stop learning and always keep doing stuff. That's my, that's my advice. I would say so when you, oh, sorry, you go, Mark. Networking too. I'm sorry. I would say networking too, because it's such, I would say networking too, because it's such a small community. I mean, look at how we're all interconnected through 303 and, and groups like that. So networking is like really. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just automatically ties in as part of doing stuff, right? If you're doing stuff and you're publishing things, people are going to take note of it. They're going to reach out to you with questions or ideas or whatever, and you will automatically connect with folks as you're doing stuff. So do stuff and share it maybe is the, uh, <laughs> the augmentation there. Wanted to be a dick. Gotcha. Yeah, don't be a dick. So, yeah, are you part of those too? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Um, so you've hacked forever. So, what was the biggest shock for you going from hacking at home, hacking for fun, to getting paid for it? What was you walked in the office? What was the big surprise? Oh yeah, I guess just you know the seeing how the sausage is made. <laughs> you, you're like you're like oh this is like a legitimate business. Surely like they've got security in place, and it's like oh it's not. No no. You, oh the it's the the password is company name one two three. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's it. I I don't know. I still get surprised though. I mean like um, I've I had a, a thing that I did recently, test I did recently, and I got caught in like eight hours. And I was like, that's amazing. It's like one of two times I've ever been caught in my life. And the fact that I got caught in like eight hours, I was like, that's phenomenal. And so uh, this, um, I don't know. I think that's kind of uh, why I'm so fascinated with the cloud stuff, right? You can do things like have all of this audit logging and you can, uh, you know, stuff that used to be really burdensome to set up like aggregate logging and then, you know, making backups of that automatically and shipping it off to places and ingestion for analysis and all that. That used to be like a huge undertaking. And now it's just like, Oh yeah, I turned on CloudTrail and I have everything go to like an S3 bucket. I'm like, that is so sick. Like if you look at me like rampaging through an AWS environment, like there it is right there in CloudTrail, you can see all the things that I did. And if you protect that adequately, now you've got a copy that I can't go and tamper with. And it's like, you know, usually the first thing I do when I get on a box is like turn off the stuff that's going to catch me. So like I get in your cloud environment and I can't turn that off. Like amazing. Like what a step up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're at the top of the hour and uh, I wanted to thank you for, for being here, man. And let's, let's do part two after your, your album hits, man. Dope. What do you Thanks. Say to that? Definitely. Yeah. Cool. We'll all be on gigabit right, internet man, connections because we'll... we'll all be in the same room. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. And I, I apologize for my connection, but you know, it is what it is. And it's how it goes. Yeah. It, so yeah. But, yo, uh, but thanks, all thanks for coming and uh yeah, check out check out the music that I talked about. There's so much good stuff that's out there. If you're on Spotify, like uh, Dual Core Music is my username. All my playlists are public. If you're looking for anything, go go through the playlist for sure. And and please pirate our music if you can. You don't have to pay me for it. It's fine. <coughs> good to know. We did. <laughs> we did it already. Man, so it's okay. <laughs> David, and we'll uh, we'll We'll talk to you soon, man. I appreciate it. Have a Thanks. good one. Y'all take care and stay safe. Everybody stay healthy. Thanks, guys. See you, everyone. You too, brothers. Cheers.